morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're tuning in. You are officially listening to the Sequel Audio Experience, a podcast all about marketing. We'll be talking about strategies, innovative technologies, and even direct tactics that you can implement today to help your business grow. I'm your host, Brandon Mize. I'm here with my co-host, Matt Voss. How's it going? And today we are going to be tackling the six most common mistakes we see from new marketers. So tune in. Today's episode, uh, we're literally talking about kind of those fundamental mistakes that the marketing, either are they, uh, would you say that this is a, a mistake that new marketing people make, or is this just a, something that even a, a, a seasoned marketing expert could make? I think saying new marketers um, is good because it's going to help new marketers most, mm-hmm. but I see these mistakes in Fortune 5 and 100 companies when we go in to consult with some of those marketing departments. Yeah. It is very hard, at least from a corporate level, to not have those kind of blinders on mm-hmm. and get caught up in kind of the momentum of producing so much content. So this definitely is for new marketers, but it can certainly apply to marketers that have, have kind of been on the bike for a while. So number one, as a main objective for marketing, is you really need to know who your audience is. You need to define that person or that group of people that you're trying to reach to. So talk to me a little bit about what that is and how, how you go about doing that. Yeah, defining your audience is, is extremely important. And um, there's a lot of layers to this. So without getting too complex, um, you need to know who you're marketing to. And specifically, you need to understand beyond things like demographics right mm-hmm. so does your product or service are they you know mostly utilized by men women what age group uh, what are some of their personality traits but uh, the secondary later to that what I like to get into is is called persona typing so when we create a persona about someone it's it's a little bit beyond your demographic so we take you as an example Matt you know, mid thirties, male. I know a little bit about your background, mm-hmm. but your persona type is the motivational factors that you have as an individual yeah. that would make you choose to buy my product or use my service. And those are the things that I'm going to use to market to you. So it's a way of personalizing your message, mm-hmm. personalizing your visual content to the end user or buyer. And where I see a lot of mistakes here um, is that people come in, especially business owners, let's say small businesses, uh, they come in with an ideal and they really have a type of customer they think they want to sell to. Mm-hmm. But that's not who's really buying their product or using their true. service. So Very true. that's one of the biggest mistakes I see early on. Well, and, and one of the interesting aspects too is it kind of blows my mind always when, when you think about it, uh, some of the times that you've shared with me, how much you can learn about not an individual, but even just little little pools of different groups of people, like the data of what they're buying, you know, where they're what they're eating, like mm-hmm. what shoes are they wearing, like all these all these specifics that you can find out about a group. Obviously, you know, blind just as, as a sampling, but still the amount of data that's out there. You gotta you gotta be uh, thoughtful as a consumer these days to know what, who's using your data. Yeah, and that's ongoing, Matt. So that's like it's it's. It's evolving every single day. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we talk about the types of data, I don't want to make anyone paranoid here, but obviously Google, Facebook, you know. They're collecting your, your data. Your they credit are. card companies, all of these things, they're looking at what you do from a behavioral standpoint, what your interests are, what your purchases are around, and all that information is being bundled together and offered through some of these marketing and advertising mm-hmm. platforms to, yeah. to folks like us who can really deep dive and and 
predict with some certainty that you are the right person that needs to receive our message, right? Yeah. So it, it eliminates a lot of waste. Um, but there's a there's a big brother aspect to that too. There um, is, and some companies are even taking a lot of uh, a lot of new approaches to how they combat that. So you look mm-hmm. at Apple, who with their iOS, I think 14 yeah. most recent update, they're yeah. really allowing you to opt out of some of those mm-hmm. tracking um, yeah, parameters, which is great. Uh, for the consumer, it's not so great for marketers. Uh, so there's a lot of workarounds in the industry right now just trying to combat just that one change. So so for number two, before we start into some specifics about how to start a campaign, uh, you need, really need to know and have that focus of what the goals are and, and, and be able to have that. So what what aspects of your audience that you want to talk to, where are they spending their time, mm-hmm. what kind of things are they consuming that would help you to know, do I need to make a video, do I need to make a still ad, should I have you know, my money be spent on PPC for pay-per-click ads, um, mm-hmm. how would you go into to saying that, that, yes, it's important to define a, a goal and a plan, but mm-hmm. what, should, what should people think about when they're, when they're wanting to develop a plan? Yeah, so this is second nature for me as a strategist. So it, it's my job and duty to really go out and collect this marketing data, analyze that data, and then formulate a hypothesis for growth for that business or whatever I'm trying to market, right? So uh, the step after that is kind of what you're talking about is developing a campaign from that data, from that hypothesis to mm-hmm. test against, to see one, is that hypothesis correct? Yeah. And then what is it that is working well or isn't working so that I can optimize that campaign? But to start that process, really what we're talking about doing is is defining what your goals for the campaign are. And mm-hmm. when I, when I say that it's because that could be a lot of different things. Most small business owners are going to say sales, duh, that's what I want. Obviously. Yeah. Dollars but, in the bank. But we've worked with clients, you and I have, who might be in a low traffic location, hard mm-hmm. to find, can't mm-hmm. see them from the road. Right. So they have a couple of different things. Yes. They want to get foot traffic in the door. Yes. They want to make online sales, but they need to know People need to know who they are. Mm-hmm. People need to know where they're located geographically so they can come in and engage with them mm-hmm. uh, if they're offering a service uh, in particular. So you need to understand what are some of the things that are inhibiting you as a business from, one, growing, two, from from being known. Like, are you in front of enough people? Why mm-hmm. and why not? And then three, what is the easiest pathway to increasing revenue? Yeah. And sometimes that is through products and th- sometimes that is through services. So you really have to do an internal audit, if you will, to determine what is it that I want to hit. And sometimes it's all three and that's okay. Sometimes you yeah. can have multiple objective types, but really starting and saying, what are the things that my business needs? Not just today, which is as we're talking mistakes here, a lot of small business owners, they want to see revenue generated and returned right away because they believe that is the only problem. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of customers, sometimes we'll get on, especially a digital advertising or social advertising where we'll turn on a campaign and they are not prepared to take on the new amount of leads that we're generating for them. So they actually have some, some hurdles, if you will, as a business that they need to straighten out. And sometimes formulating what you want to accomplish, mm-hmm. you figure that out in that kind of ideation phase. So as a strategist, I say start with your research, analyze who it is you want to talk to, like our first point mm-hmm. there, and then understand what are the goals for your business, not just the goals to make a sale. Uh, and then that's really going to help you kind of maybe create a hierarchy. Yeah. And then you say, hey, look, you know, brand is 
in the middle somewhere. Sales is first or second. Yeah. Um, and then some of those other things like awareness of who we are and what, you know, what, what are we solving? What does our product yeah. or, or service do? Does it solve a problem? And mm-hmm. if that's an important problem, how do we get more people to understand that the problem one exists or two that we can solve it for them? Very true. And, and when you think about the different possibilities of once you kind of define what that goal of saying, hey, this is who we need to talk to and this is what we want to achieve when we hit that audience, um, you have to come in, into a conclusion to know that, that a, an answer is not one thing. Mm-hmm. It's not, hey, we really need a video ad. Hey, we really need to do this, this you know, SEO optimization of our website. It's never just one thing. It's Which always is, a series of things. And that's always though what what we've seen in the customers. When we do our initial visits, it's always I need a blank. Yes. And they, they just give us one thing that they think is going to solve all of their problems. And it's, it's never that. It's it never can't that. Be that. And that moves us on to our third point, which is keeping a realistic view of both the timeline and what the objectives, you know, achieving out of that campaign are. So you can never expect to release a video and let's say you push push out a video on social media, mm-hmm. say Instagram, and you get a bunch of hearts and a bunch of likes, mm-hmm. a bunch of views even. But then like three or four days later, it's been viewed by your circle of people that follow you. Right. What else is it doing? Right. So how do you make sure that you keep a realistic view of what the timeline is and what the goals are? Yeah. I like the way you phrased it, realistic. I wouldn't have thought about it in that way. I I, I turn I tend to use the term focus for mm-hmm. clients, right? Because yeah. a lot of clients want results right away, which is unrealistic to mm-hmm. use your own term. Um, so setting that expectations uh, or setting that expectation with customers, but also people that are doing this themselves at home, these kind of owner operators. You just need to understand that based on your goals that we just talked about in step Mm -hmm. two is that they're going to take time to achieve, right? It's the same as if I have a personal fitness goal or if I have a financial goal, you can have the goal and you can really want it as much as you want, but that doesn't mean it's going to expedite the timeline whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So um, when it comes to posting content out on social media, in a lot of ways, if that is an organic piece of content, what I mean by that is just being posted on your timeline, your page, your account, whatever that is, that is almost purely branding unless it is something with a strong call to action or that has a hook mm-hmm. that is creating some kind of dialogue or engagement with your with your um, audience. So putting out a video on social organically and expecting results is not the right mentality. When you're when you're utilizing that kind of a tactic, what you're really doing is saying, I'm getting in front of people with an important message, one that is relatable, mm-hmm. one that is informing them something about my company, my brand, or some of the, the ideals that we have and support, um, and in hopes that whenever those people who did view it need your product or service, they're going to then think of you. Mm-hmm. Top of mind. Top of yeah. mind. You're going to kind of own that brain real estate, if you will, so that they can then action on it. But if we're talking about a paid sense, yes. like you've created a video and now you're going to advertise that video with social ads or maybe Google ads or YouTube ads, whatever it is, um, that's a whole different ballgame. And that ballgame is about defining how much resistance or friction mm-hmm. have you designed into that advertisement journey for that customer. So what I mean by that is, 
they click on your video, they like it, they're interested, they want to either learn more, book now, buy now, whatever your your call to action is there. They click on that. What's the friction from them learning Mm -hmm. something that's related directly to the ad they just watched and making a purchase Yeah. or or phoning you, right? A lot of people try and skip as many steps as possible and they'll put a phone number on there. It's a click to call. It all takes time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's how, how many people saw it. And that's, that's one of the things that I see too, that a lot of people they have, let's just call it Instagram. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're doing great. You're rocking it. You got 20 plus thousand people, you Mm -hmm. know, as a small business that's following you. The downside is, is once you post that thing, those 20,000 people, even if they don't engage, they probably at least swiped past it really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but who else beyond that gets to see it? And that takes time. That takes uh, strategic planning of how to position it to where that post or that video that you posted gets in front of more people than just obviously the folks that follow you. Because, yes, retaining customers and keeping them happy and getting them to be returned is very important. But if you're not growing, then you're not hitting all the objectives. Right. And I think there, I think I would like to clarify too, though, that, you know, right now there's this sense of urgency to grow a massive following. There's a sense of Mm -hmm. urgency for your content to somehow be viral. And quite honestly, you know, I've dealt with accounts that have 50,000 plus that are not converting like an account that has less than 10,000 followers. And that goes down to quality. And when you're maintaining your brand, when you're maintaining your messaging, and when you're maintaining a visual consistency, the quality of your audience is going to be much higher. And then they're going to convert for you at a much higher rate than just a large audience, right? So creating content that is going to allow an individual who who thinks it's relevant to them Mm -hmm. or may want to share it among their circle uh, to take action on that content allowing them to be able to click the share button, send it to a friend, tag somebody that they know in it or or directly interact with it. You know, if you if it's a poll, we're talking about Instagram mm-hmm. specifically, if it's a poll or if it's a it's a questions kind of ask me anything that's going on, these types of integrated uh, immersive or let's just call it engagement style content allow you to have that direct conversation with your yeah your prospective audience and anytime Mm -hmm. that you can ask them something and get feedback is a win. Yes. That's the quickest way to market surveys or market research you could possibly do. Ask them directly. You're thinking about a new flavor. You're thinking about a new color, a new Mm -hmm. product, a new service, you know, ask them before you go in and spend development time as a company to build that out. Um, I mean, you've worked retail in the past, just like I have that college job that probably all of us have to have, you know, the hardest question as a retail person was that first thing when you walk up to someone that's new, what brings you in? How can I help you? They don't ever really want to answer that. Oh, I'm just looking. Yep. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm just out hanging out this on the weekend. I'm, I'm doing yeah. my shopping. Uh, you know, that's, that's the hardest question. So as an engaging thing with the tool that we have now for social media, if someone can either thumbs up, that's the, the lowest level. We obviously know that you liked what you saw. Mm-hmm. Great. Yep. A comment. Cool. You gave us a very specific love the this aspect. So it gives yep. you even more insight. But then polls, just like you said, yep. then you get a larger a larger sampling yep. of, a, of a, in, in a very big group. But all of that for kind of summarizing point number three here is all of that takes time. Yep. And it all takes very specific thought into each aspect of it. So 
these. Yeah, before, before we roll past that, though, yeah. on point three, I do want to just kind of give a little bit more concrete information there. Um, timing, because I'm going to guess that most people are probably thinking paid advertisements. Timing to see things start to work, you're going to be looking at 11 to 15 days timeline for whatever platform you're using just to be doing the learning, mm -hmm. just to be utilizing the algorithm to see what people are interacting with, uh, what people are, you know, whether you're getting impressions, clicks, comments, shares, saves, you know, whatever that is, you've got to give that system at least a week, week and a half of time to digest what is going on and what they're interacting with. And most platforms today, they are optimizing based on those indic indicators. Yeah. So if you don't give your, your advertisements time to mature, the algorithm cannot give you information back to say, this is how you optimize me. Yeah. That's uh, very they true. loved the copy, but no one liked the creative. Mm -hmm. That gives me as a strategist or a marketer the information I need to go in and say, okay, well, I'm going to keep the copy. Let me change out the creative mm -hmm. or vice versa if it's working in a, in a different way. And that hits so many different elements too because you think of how Google crawls websites uh, and finds, is there new data, new information on mm -hmm. your website? How many people have visited your site, i.e. how high in the rankings should I put it as Google? Yeah. Don't get me started so, on quality scores. Oh, we could talk. <laughs> that, that should be its own podcast episode. Yeah. Just Google quality. So score. point number three, before we move on to the next one, point yeah. number three, I can't go to the gym for one week and expect to look like Thor. That's the, that's the <laughs> that's summary. Sad. That's the, so it's so sad, <laughs> but that just, that just can't happen unless we're talking about CG and, uh, but then, you know, that I can't walk around the mall right. like, yeah, looking like CG. Thor with yeah. CG, but okay. So <laughs> moving on to number four, uh, number four we have listed as me too. Okay. So are you doing the same thing that your competitors mm. are doing? So, and, and the thing that, w that I want us to chat about on this is thinking about, yes, you need to be aware of who your competitors are and what they're doing. But if you go down the route of saying, I'm going to kind of emulate that or do yep. a, something of my own that's very similar, mm. you as a business, big or small, you look like a follower. Yep. So a big, big brand does a really cool marketing campaign and you, the smaller business, do something very similar, you just look like you're trying to ride the wave mm -hmm. of, of what that company is doing. You you want whatever sales they can, they, they you know, you have your customers just fall off the, the, the ladder and say, I'll, I'll catch you and you can be my customer, <laughs> you know. Talk to me a little bit about more, because I, I just gave some very general thoughts yeah. on that, but... But why is it important to differentiate yourself as a brand and make sure that you're not doing the same thing that your competitors are doing? So lots of thoughts here because oh, yes. there is there is a bit of a gray area here, okay? And I, and I, I want to point this out in the front of this where I always tell you don't follow the pack, right? Differentiate by any means possible. But mm -hmm. there are some gray areas like culture, right? Mm -hmm. Culture, things that we see trending, Twitter, you know, things that are just – you can't plan for it, right? Those waves, I think, are fair game because of the sure. amount of exposure you can ride on the back of some of those hashtags. Mm -hmm. I'm all for it. I tell everybody go all in so long as it is not some kind of spicy hot topic that you really shouldn't be getting yeah, involved in. Yeah, those are touchy. As a brand, they certainly don't do it. Or two, that it somehow echoes the true essence of the character, the brand, right? Mm -hmm. So when people close their eyes and what do they feel about your company, yeah. the brand, that's what I mean by brand. So long as the essence of your brand is somehow echoed through that content, right? 
And then second to that is you mentioned, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, is this for new marketers or seasoned pro Mm -hmm. season pros are the worst at this. Okay. Uh Quite frankly, watch anything Pepsi and Coke does. They go back and forth at each other. And, (laughs) and I mean, they almost duplicate each other's campaigns. There was a rivalry with, uh, you know, McDonald's and Burger King for a long time, Mm -hmm. kind of the same situation. They do one way, they do something similar. But what, what I say is if you're going to be looking for inspiration as a young marketer or as a newer marketer trying to market your own business and you want inspiration, you're looking at some of these larger accounts, some of these agencies that are doing dynamic things, try and break down what the tactic is that they are doing versus what yeah. their content looks and says. Okay. So that takes a little bit of knowledge. It takes some time, right, to understand what's going on here. But if you're going to emulate something that's successful done by a larger brand or even a competing brand, mm-hmm. try and emulate the tactic. Don't don't try and emulate the visual. Don't try and emulate uh, yeah, just take the, the skeleton phraseology. Of it. Yeah, just take the skeleton of it and make it your own, right? But here's why you don't want to follow the pack, okay? Because basically what you're doing in the minds of your audience, the minds of your customer, is that you are saying there is no difference between our brand, our product and offering, versus the competitors. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try and run alongside my competitor and be the best B version I can possibly be. So if you've had a bad experience with version A, look at me. I'm very inviting. Come on over to version B. Mm -hmm. This is a very bad tactic for long-term growth and success as a company and a brand. Okay. Some some, you know, uh, product services, businesses, they are in a category where they could be considered a commodity, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to dig deeper as a marketer for that company to determine what is different. Are you a day faster in shipping? I mean, let's talk about Amazon and how they jump sided. Yeah. Amazon was nothing new. Mm-hmm. Walmart was doing this. They were faster in shipping. They had better customer service. Mm-hmm. They blew the industry apart. What is that for your business? What is that? Is it your customer service? Is it something about your brick and mortar location? Is how it is the you, product different? How is the product different? Is there something about your checkout experience? Is mm-hmm. there something? What is it that is truly different? And just blow that differentiation marker out of the water because yeah. that is the easiest way. That's your spotlight that you that's, shine up in the sky. That's exactly right. That's I mean, it. you look at somebody who's just a brilliant brand marketer like Apple. Mm-hmm. Apple very rarely ever there might be a couple of instances over their entire life of the company where they talked about features and how the feature specifically was better mm-hmm. than the competitors. It was what are you able to do with this machine or this device yeah. that sets you apart from other people. Yeah, It was the ultimate status symbol right mm-hmm. off the bat that if you have an Apple product, you are a step above the rest and it had nothing to do with competing hardware had nothing to do with design Mm -hmm. it was just this intrinsic message that everyone still to this day knows yeah that's another episode though that's that's taking yeah we can dive into that that's (laughs) taking your product that you're just shouting from the rooftops because it's so amazing you know if it's this if it's if it's an ipad you talk about apple Mm -hmm. you know here's the features that it does yes that a bunch of other tablets do, but here's the thing that makes it unique. The logo. 
And that's the that's, that's where it's another <laughs> it's, episode. That's a whole nother That's podcast. a whole nother episode because that's literally where your brand then becomes its own uh, culture or yeah. subunit. Yeah. But we'll get into that on another point. Another. Is you can't do that by following suit with the competition. Yes, you're don't right. follow suit. Differentiate if you can, and if you are going to copy or if you need some inspiration, understand what the tactic, the marketing tactic is that they are implementing implementing with that piece of content or mm-hmm. that whatever it was that you came across of. Use the skeleton, make it your own. Number five that we have on our list as the mistake is overproducing. Oof. So think about your your running a channel, whether it be like social any of the social media channels, uh, you can, it is possible to put too much out and not focus on the quality of what you're being put putting out and the value that you're bringing to the customers as to why you know if, if i post out six posts a day on instagram uh why are those six posts actually worth a darn yep. and why couldn't it have been achieved in just maybe one post you know think about the quality aspect of what you're producing and hitting an actual value to get the customer to stop and actually like a post, engage with it, do whatever your objective is with that post. But how can that how can that hurt a brand? How do you yeah. think that can hurt a brand by doing too much? That's just like here, 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 here you go. It's like it's just too much. Um, well, let me ask you this: How many people do you hang out with normally in life that that you would deem as talk too much? Well, do you avoid those people at all? Yeah, costs? I would say right. that, I, I'd say that, that there's probably very few because I probably not, weeded them out. Right, they're not on the invite list for dinner over at your house, mm-hmm. right? And it's for good reasons because you have said I, I just can't take it. It's too much. They never turn off. Mm-hmm. And same can be for brands, right? Now, I'm of the mentality that if it's organic social posts just to your your feed or your story or reel, whatever platform you're using, as long as it's thoughtful, I don't think you can over post mm-hmm. but when it comes to advertisements you can certainly go too far with the customer yeah and you know without getting into retargeting which you know is kind of like digital stalking i call it yeah. it's very effective so i want to make that point super effective for creeper. helping you convert <laughs> sales <laughs> you don't want to look like a creeper but you don't want to you just don't want to just beat someone to death with the same yeah. message right so if you're going to retarget if you're going to advertise and use uh you know audiences that are built in so whether or not they're followers of yours already they've been visiting your website they're part of your email list if you're going to be speaking to an audience that already knows you well you better take the time to craft that message to be something different mm-hmm. than they've already ingested which you should be tracking who has seen what and what they have responded well to in the yeah. past and craft something that's going to be new to them, but craft something relevant. You know, we've got too many people that are out there right now thinking that content just needs to be splattered haphazardly as mm-hmm. much as possible. Get my face out there. I want to be on someone's feed three, four times a day. Yeah. I get what you, what you're after. I can just tell you right now that the quality of your brand, the quality of your messaging, there's just no real way to keep it consistent. There's no real way to keep it valuable yeah. at that level. So I would I would ask you to just kind of scale back a little bit and see what you can do to enhance some of the things that are working well for you. Um, well, that's, that's personalized to me too because when as you're saying that, I'm thinking about myself and what have I been numbed to? Yeah. What have I been desensitized to? And I think about... You know, in in the evening, if I'm watching TV and I see a car ad, my brain probably shuts off. 
I will not see your car ad yeah. in, in my, like, it won't absorb. Right. Uh, as a consumer, there are many different ways that if you're beating someone over the head uh, with your brand, you're actually doing more harm than good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you know, to, to kind of, this is an easy one for me <laughs> to put a lid on, but to put a lid on 0.5 here, which is overproducing, is... One, if you are if you're being a good steward of your own brand and making sure that your visuals are on brand, your messaging is on brand, there is no way you should be able to spit out fifteen to twenty pieces of content a day unless you're using some production efficiencies like what we do, mm-hmm. which is we are filming a video, we are recording an audio right here. So we just got two pieces of content potentially from one production. That's a different story. Yeah. But if you're creating individual pieces of content at scale, mm-hmm. I would say make sure you pass it through. Maybe even create a more rigorous brand test or checklist that it has to meet before you go and publish it. Let's move on to our last point, number six. Ooh, we're at the end already. We're at the end, okay. yes. Uh, tracking. tracking. Tracking your results. So yeah. if you're going to go to all that effort to learn about your audience, let's, let's just go back over our numbers. If you're going to go over... Number one, define your audience. Right. If you're going to learn who they are, if you're going to come up with a strategy, number two, you're going to come up with that strategy, the plan, that goal of how you're going to do it. Number three, you have that realistic timeline. You go those steps and you take mm-hmm. that 60, 90, whatever number of days that you need to go through that. You're not doing the number four. You're not doing the same thing as your, yeah, your don't other. Make, don't make that Don't mistake. make that mistake. Do one through three. Skip four. And then number five, you're not overproducing and right. you're focused on value Number six, how do you know that all of those things that you just implemented are working? You track it. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? We're just going to open Pandora's box because I could, I could talk about this endlessly because there are so many different styles of marketing, right? And we will get into all of this on future episodes of the, of the podcast here. But mm-hmm. there is guerrilla marketing. There is digital marketing. There is uh, outdoor marketing. There is event marketing. It, the list goes on here. But when we're talking about tracking, it really goes back to the initial planning phase. Goals. And how do we map backwards from what your goal is to set a process, which is hopefully very frictionless for the customer. You never want the customer to have to do a lot of work in order to purchase from you or to use your service. Mm -hmm. So how do we design something that is a very straightforward pathway to a sale or some kind of revenue? Or maybe if, Mm -hmm. again, your, your goal might not be a sale, but how are we designing a process that we can look back on with a true measurement objective not subjective which is a, a, a big deal is you can have a great event people can tell you how wonderful the event was and they had a blast and you had a blast mm-hmm. and you might walk away from there saying that was a fantastic event that event really worked yeah. I see that all the time people say that if you did not collect email addresses if you didn't get people opting into your yeah. text message group if you did not get likes on a certain facebook special interest group that you created if you did not get a, a a new rolodex for inviting people to your next luncheon if you did not activate you did not have a successful successful event yeah, In all that you did was have example, a really good afternoon or you evening. had a great opportunity <laughs> yeah you might have had good entertainment you might have had a great food and environment and people had a great time and it might be memorable which is yeah. is, is at one point a win but yeah. if you didn't walk not trackable, away though. Not trackable. with a trackable result mm-hmm. a measurable and objective result you have flopped mm-hmm. so there's a lot of different types of marketing which is makes this a, a little bit of a difficult 
you know, thing to, to, to talk about. Yeah. But ultimately you have to set up a process before anything happens, before mm-hmm. you turn the ads on, before you launch the event, before the billboards go up, mm-hmm. right? Before design and creative even happens of saying, here's my goal. Here's the measurable steps to get to the goal yep. so that you know going in, this is how I'm going to measure against myself, my team, my business to say whether or not I was successful. Yeah, it's interesting because there's just so many factors of, like I said, the the, the high-level example of total, total clicks. Mm-hmm. But you just shared all the specifics of what I was thinking of, you know, how many how how far did that customer walk the path with you before they ultimately fell off? And the further you can get more people down the path, the more successful the campaign is and and will be moving forward, which allows you to think of how you'll execute on plans and marketing campaigns in the future. Um, so you, you not only get the success of the campaign itself, but you also learn so much about your brand and your customers that you, you're able to implement that in your next iteration and your Absolutely. next iteration. And the more you do it and the more often you engage with your customers, the more you're going to learn. And yes, it's ROI, the long-term ROI of being able to say, this is how much time it took. Mm-hmm. This is how much dollars I spent either on an ad or, or having something created for me. Mm-hmm. The, the, the longer that you play that out, the the lower you'll see the cost be for the return of what you're getting. So yep. it's just crazy to see how you, you so many people think of that. Like you get that dollar, that shock, mm-hmm. sticker shock of, oh, I want to do a campaign and, oh, this is going to cost me $5,000. Whereas a small business that's mm-hmm. got a very thin margin, um, that may, that may hurt more yeah, than, more than others. But Again, that's what we're trying to think through and bring the value of, you know, we're used to working with companies that are, like you said, the Fortune 500s that spend many hundreds of thousands of dollars. Sometimes millions a month. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, And we work with agencies, we work with businesses, and we see what works, what doesn't Mm -hmm. work. So that's that's part of the aspect, Not, not only just for us, but think of that with if you're anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, think of that as that's the value that you're paying for when you're, when you're actually paying someone to run a campaign for you. It's you're hopefully getting in, in plugged in with folks that do know that. Um, and that's, you know, that's speaking highly to what we do as a, as a service that just, yeah, helps I mean, people understand you think about that. that anything on a, on a simple level, going to the doctor, right? What are you, what are you paying for in that copay? What are you paying mm-hmm. for your insurance? You're paying for the knowledge that that provider is going to be able to extend back to you and and knowing what works and what doesn't and getting you to let's just say your goal line quicker um, that's what service providers are there for but I love when we come across a new client who's reached out and they have done a year plus (laughs) work of their own bootstrapping their own content they've tested what works they come to us and they say here's my here's my target demographic here's my Mm -hmm. persona here's what works really well with my customer and they have all this data those are my favorite customers because they have really spent the time and effort on bootstrapping as far as they can and they come to us and they say I know what works. I just don't have the capacity to scale it. Yeah. Can you help? Those are my favorite clients. Not only do they <laughs> make my job easier, yeah. but they are so much more knowledgeable and they understand what we're going to do in True. a quick period of time for testing and scaling and and showing the return is so much easier because they understand the processes that we're talking about sure. already. Absolutely. Well, there's obviously there's so many more topics and things that we could discuss that 
that come to the the common mistakes that uh, that many folks do with their running their small businesses marketing thoughts. But um, we'll get more down that road with other episodes. Um, so be sure to subscribe uh, either on this platform that you're seeing this content right now, or you can follow us on any of the uh, the major podcasting platforms. Please take a look. Comment, like, share, subscribe. I invite you to just absolutely trash me in the comments if you'd like to. I yes, do want to hear back. That too. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Matt. <laughs> uh, I do want to hear what you guys thought. I, uh, you know, I we we're going to take a look at what you guys are saying and and hopefully update and implement a ton of stuff because listening to your audience is important as well. Absolutely. But these six common mistakes that we see from from early marketers or, or new marketers is definitely something that. We wanted to talk about today, and uh, I'm glad that we did. Mm-hmm. I think that we hit a lot, and, and not just that. It was kind of hard to narrow down this list, let's be honest. There's a lot of things that it can was. happen out there. Yeah. But um, if you liked what you heard today, um, again, hope that you come back next time, and we'll be discussing more marketing topics, again, strategy, technology innovations, and direct tactics that you guys can implement to make yourselves sure. better marketers starting now. All right. See you all later. Thank you.